Hello to all who are listening in to this wonderful, wonderful, brand new first episode of the what I'm renaming to the production podcast. Um, and today we're, we'll be discussing Funding 101 with a kind of a rather big, in my opinion, uh, internet personality. <laughs> 70,000 subscribers, man. I mean, I'm only like I'm only like 5 foot 5. How can you call me big? <laughs> I didn't say literally. <laughs> so, we've got a good friend over here, my dear friend Insane in the Rain, also known as Carlos. So, hello there. Hi. Hello. 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 Um, so Mainly, this will be the podcast discussing a lot of, um, you know, just kind of where where you started from your channel and where of. I know a lot of people are going, well, this is a podcast created for entrepreneurs and people that are looking at creating their own podcast. What do, what do YouTubers have to do with anything? And it's like, well, it's all kind of all in the same world now. We're all YouTubers kind of the- are YouTubers are totally entrepreneurs too, if you take it seriously enough. Oh yeah, absolutely. So it's we're all kind of in the same boat here. So. Um, starting off with a very basic uh, bio. So, what what can you say as a generic introduction? Who you are, what you've done, um, where you're currently at in life, just all that kind of fun stuff. Sure, sure. So, if you don't know me, um, my channel name is Insane of the Rain Music. I make um, jazz covers of video game music, basically blending your favorite video game tunes with. Um, current like popular jazz songs or jazz songs that I tend to like and all sorts of jazz subgenres like fusion, traditional jazz, um, everything under the sun basically. Um, I've been doing YouTube. This is my fifth year currently. I've got four years under my belt. Um, currently sitting around 73,000 subscribers, something like that. It's just a number though. It doesn't matter too much. Um, I guess in notable accomplishments, um, in February of 2016 this year, I released an album called Live at Grillby's, which was an officially approved um, Undertale jazz remix album, and that got very popular on the internet, and a lot of people are enjoying it, and I'm very thankful that so many people found it. Um, 2014, I released an album called Back to Your Little Roots, which is a remix album, another jazz remix album of music from Pokemon Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald, if you're into that. And um, currently, I'm just working on making covers every single Saturday, um, making them better than the one before, and pushing them out for people to hear. All right, perfect. I was, I was going to say, I didn't remember that uh, first one back in 2014, the one of uh, Emerald, Sapphire, and Ruby. I remember. Yeah, you... I remember specifically the life of uh, Gilbies. Grillbies. Grill. Grillbies. <laughs> Sorry. Grillbies is the character from the game. It's all right. Okay. I was I was gonna say ironically that was actually one of my main pushes to actually start listening to Undertale, um, start playing Undertale specifically, other than the fact that it was also a huge internet phenomenon that just came oh, yeah. out of nowhere. Totally. So, um, so at I was gonna say to start off the quote unquote interview per se, um, what <laughs> what inspired you to just start creating uh, jazz covers and start figuring out that you've got a really interesting niche of like audience where you've got like music geeks and video game geeks and apparently there's there's this weird crossover where a lot of people are both (laughs) so what (laughs) yeah it's it's really it's really weird um i think you could trace my interest in video game music back to um i don't actually remember this happening but my dad has told me about it that when i was eight years old or something like that i we were on this like really 
crappy CRT television watching um, this group called Video Games Live, which oh. is an orchestra that performs yes. um, orchestral ad- ad- adaptations of video game music. And I was like in second grade or something, and my dad remembers me watching that and saying, Dad, I want to do that with my life. So, <laughs> it's like the cheesiest thing ever, but if you trace it back and you see where I am now... Um, it's not too far away. The, <laughs> yeah, that covers the video game side part. Um, as for my jazz um, influence and inspiration, I played jazz music all throughout middle school and high school, mm-hmm. going um, between various saxophones and things. And um, I don't know exactly what the catalyst was that caused me to put them together, but just one day I... I, I had been doing like piano covers on my channel before I really started doing jazz things, mm-hmm. um, but once I tried mixing them, a I felt that they really, really like. It was definitely my type of music, and I've just taken that idea and run um, and run with it. And now there's a bunch more video game jazz covers on the internet, and there's also other people doing it too. Mm-hmm. And I was gonna say it's a really it's a really different. Obviously, it's a weird genre where it's you're taking. You're taking two very good ideas and just how jazz is formed where you can basically take any genre before jazz and then apply jazz to it where it's you there are a lot of um I was gonna say I remember a couple of uh big names like Duke Elliot Elliot um Ellington, excuse me, having a word flub going on here. Um <laughs> I remember he he was taking like old like um cornet um concerto ideas and then adding like jazz to it and then having somebody transcribe it for an orchestra and whatnot um so it's honestly taking taking video game melodic material and then applying new chordal progressions to it is it's still very much so there yeah that's essentially what it is and yeah other people have done like i don't know if you've heard um uh duke ellington's nutcracker suite Mm-hmm where it's the entire, like, I'm not sure if it's the entire Nutcracker Suite, but it's, like, the most prominent melodies that people know, all arranged for, like, a jazz orchestra, and it sounds really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, going from there, so you had said you had already started your YouTube channel, you had already had a couple of different um, covers, per se, piano covers, Um just reading through your bio and whatnot, you had said you're primarily a tenor saxophone player. So yeah. I was going to say, at what point did you find yourself moving towards like keyboards and figuring out how to like work with uh, the piano and whatnot? Was yeah, it just... piano was piano actually came before saxophone. Okay, um, it was the first instrument I learned to really learn really how to play. Um, I think it was my one of our relatives had this upright piano. And then it was brought into our house one day because my parents thought, oh, you would probably like playing around on a piano. And so we, I still have that um, piano in my in my like living room and I play on it. I mean, I'm in college now, but back back home, I played on that quite a bit. Um, and then I taught myself how to read music and things like that. And then um, from there, I picked up the clarinet in fifth grade and then saxophone came as a natural progression. But I still maintained um, the abilities on piano. Mm-hmm. All right. Very nice. Um so you would, so at some point in time you would found that you had this really cool idea and that people might start listening to it, and what what was kind of your first your first um, arrangement? Or actually, let's go a step further. What's and how did you learn about jazz arrangement? And was that something self taught and also, or was that something that you took jazz, the class? Jazz arrangement, yeah, jazz arrangement, like. Mostly um, self-taught, I would say. I think that I think that a lot of good ideas in this world are just 
two good ideas that came before put together into another good idea. So what I would do is I would just, you know, listen to jazz music as any jazz musician really should. Um, find tunes that I really like, especially ones that have unique, like, instrumentation or arrangements, and then um, just figure out what I liked about them and then apply them to video game music. And applying them to video game music really required me to dissect the arrangement, figure out what exactly it was that I liked about it, and then figure out how to do that myself and then copy it, but with, like, a video game song melody on top of it okay and uh who are kind of your uh, main uh inspirations when it came to some of that stuff uh, michael brecker is my biggest influence um he's a very popular tenor, sa- tenor saxophone player um ben wendell is another very recent saxophone player who's um influenced me quite a bit um in, in terms of arranging i would say sammy nestico he wrote a lot for big bands and i've learned a lot from um researching his stuff and um i guess other players in general um the band snarky puppy which is Mm, really popular i i steal from them uh, quite a bit like (laughs) i have this one video called road taken if you've heard shofukan before road taken is just shofukan with some other melody on top of it Mm -hmm. but somehow people don't really catch on i'm not really sure (laughs) (laughs) it's it's um if you don't advertise it too much where it's like oh hey i'm like legitimately stealing from other people i don't think people are gonna i think there would be at least a handful of uh, fans i'd be like it sounds really similar i'm trying to figure out where i've heard this before i don't know yeah yeah i'm trying to figure out where all music is like that (laughs) nothing is i mean i forget who said that but like it's not there's nothing new under the sun or whatever it is that everything is just a derivative of something that came before it the same with same with all music not just video game jazz music but all music is like that and I was going to say, we could we could find that going back even further to, like, Bach and Beethoven's time, where even they themselves were finding composers that they're, they're like, hey, I like what they're doing. Maybe I could take that for myself a little bit and make it oh, make totally. a different yeah. rendition of it. So it's not necessarily... I think stealing's too harsh of a word coming from a <laughs> musical person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like em- emulating mm-hmm. or... I, I don't know how to feel about imitate. I think emulate works better. Yeah. Or borrow, you know. <laughs> Borrowed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, again, too, you had already started your channel with some of that um, well, covers and whatnot. What was um, your first What was your first project where you said, okay, this, this would be a cool idea to work with? What was, what was the beginnings of the Insane The Rain uh, brand that we know of today? So it's the first thing that I can think of was this event that I ran in 2013 called the Summer of Covers. <laughs> I look back on this and I cringe really hard, but <laughs> in the in the in the end, I think it was worth it. So what I decided to do, I was a freshman in high school who didn't really have many friends, who didn't really like hang out with people, and so the summer I was like, you know what, I'm gonna make a cover every single day and post it to my YouTube channel, and I did it for the entire summer school year summer of 2013, which was something like mid-early June to the first week of September. Wow. I was going to say, I've, I, I've coming being a composer myself, I completely understand, and trying to record and come up with new material, it's hard just posting to your YouTube channel on a daily basis if you've got, like, a specific time frame. Yeah, it's, yeah. But, oh, my God, kudos to you. That's that's pretty cool. It, it, was, a, and the, it was a charity event as well, like, in the description of every video, I'd have a link to donate to Child's Play Charity, and my goal was to like raise a thousand dollars or something. And woohoo! What a what an altruistic cause that I 
my uh, dedicated myself to. <laughs> That's yeah. Even the fact that it's a charity event, it's like I probably want to. Being an early entrepreneur, I find myself being like a really greedy one, just trying to figure out every single way I can make a buck. So the fact that the fact that you've gone out of your way and said, you know, like I don't actually need money, I can figure out my own way of income. Like let's mm-hmm. let's make yeah. this let's make this a an actual like legitimate charitable event, which is that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean, if I had been in a position where I needed to sustain myself, I mean, I was just like a high schooler at the time. Then you know, I might have done things a little bit differently. But for that, um, it was mainly just. Um, a way to force myself to put out new stuff all the time. And I think that there is definitely, there was definitely a progression of like, okay to better at the very end of the summer of covers. Um, there were still some videos that are just absolutely despicable and terrible <laughs> that I, I want to burn that I, when I look at them now, um, I won't mention any specific ones, but if there are any longtime fans of mine here, they know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but it was, I mean, some of the covers were just like simple piano things, which I just plunked out. Others were more complex arrangements, but it was it was a pretty um, difficult feat to do, and I'm glad I did it because that was really the period in which I started experimenting with my genres um, because I didn't want to make every single cover sound the same. So, I mean, I think towards the end, I started developing the idea for um, jazz covers and that was when like late 2013 after I took a short break in September after the summer of covers that was when the jazz covers really started flowing very cool now I was I was going to say too also being a composer myself too it's trying to come up with um, new material on a very consistent basis I mean you can find yourself coming up with new material quite frequently but as soon as you start setting a goal like I'm going to do it like every so often it's it's just i find myself very very difficult to uh try to actually complete that so when yeah so when yeah. you're saying not only i'm going to do it on a monthly basis not even on a weekly basis but literally daily it's like that is a very hard bar, bar to set and it's like i said before that is insane that you're able to um able mm-hmm. to achieve that goal so that's yeah. that's yeah, really that, cool that's just that's just 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 warrants a discussion about the creative process i could do like a whole hour on that and my perspective on that but um we don't need to get into that here bottom line i think it's just it's important to let ideas come to you rather than force them out which is what really really like i think throws some people under the bus yeah um so i was gonna say the next main question that i'd be asking is at what point of time did you realize that this was starting to become something larger than you ever thought it would have been was what kind of point did you hit where it's like oh hey i have like x amount of subscribers or i have x amount of some things where it's like this is actually something that can go somewhere where 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 um which kind of point or where where kind of um did you find yourself reaching to that sure um I think it was after that the first album I released, um, Back to Your Little Roots, mm-hmm. that I really that I I realized that you know there's something to this because I just kind of put that album out on the internet and didn't really expect a whole lot from it. But I did get some like for me at the time, the mm-hmm. revenue that came from that was like something that was like wow, I could do something with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I mean, that didn't that didn't make me think that okay all albums from this point on have to make more than that and have to give me a sustainable future I'll yeah. keep living off music but yeah. I mean it wasn't quite that but it like put a little seed in my brain that made me think you know this something could happen because of this and so I mean I guess that gave me a little bit more motivation to keep 
keep going with the channel and I, I would say that my well, it's not the my posting frequency was not the same as um, the summer of covers. I did every, something every day. Um, I was able to post more high quality stuff more often, like usually on a weekly or a um, sometimes every other week basis back mm-hmm. in the day. Right, and um, let's see. So I was going to say when you're discussing some of these higher quality uh, covers, I'm assuming that you at some point in time you realize that that you would need like very much so higher quality equipment and you probably figured out at some point in time that these really nice microphones that all of us would be wanting to eventually aspire to would definitely have to come from a different source of um, revenue and that's kind of where um, the main topic for today comes from is funding well I actually okay I actually haven't had a job other than YouTube in my entire life really yeah so far I have not had one Wow. And so far, I'm doing okay. <laughs> um, I mean, like, I, I didn't take on a high school job because, I mean, I didn't really do that much in high school. Like, I wasn't a person who went out to eat a lot or just bought a lot of things. Um, the only the only expensive things that I would really buy are, like, sample libraries, which are just, like, you know, recorded, a bunch of recorded samples of instruments. Um, but I was able to get a pretty good initial start off of Back to Your Little Roots. And then the stuff that I got from that purchase like allowed me to keep working um at a like with reasonable quality like the base the base samples um which are trillion by spectrosonics which i bought back then are still the ones that i use to this day um yeah and the piano synthesizer the piano samples i bought um which were alicia's keys by native instruments they they were phased out after a while and same with the drums that i bought um I can't really recall a specific point at which I thought, man, I need more money to do this because that's not really what I think is necessary for music. Um, I think it's it's way more about um, just like the creativity of the song than the gear. And plus, there's so many free resources on the Internet out there that you can really, yeah, that if you look hard enough or you know who to ask, you can um, typically get some stuff for pretty cheap that is still definitely high quality. Um as for a specific point, um, I don't know. I had seen some other people launch Patreon campaigns, and then um, I was waiting for a while to devise one myself. And after I made a video that I was particularly proud of, I realized, you know, maybe I'll maybe I'll like I'll make a Patreon campaign, put it at the end of this video, and people will see, wow, he put so much effort into this. I should go support him on Patreon, something like that. Okay, no, fair point, absolutely, and. So, so as of right now, it's because of these original album sales that you're finding that um, just your current lifestyle you found that has not been a whole lot of, there hasn't been too many expenses part of. So then you're saying that these album sales are able to push you through to the times of like next album or um, a next important yeah, release. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's, it's always a, for musicians, our income is always very varied. Um, not just in the amount per month, but also in the sources they come from. Like a- album sales are certainly part of it. There's also ad revenue on YouTube, which is um, fairly volatile depending on the time of year. Um, there's also I have like the occasional promotions that go on. Like I launched some T-shirts a while back for my channel that did that did acceptably well. Um, I have commissions that I do sometimes. Um, right now I'm working working on a few projects besides the things that you see on my YouTube channel and. Those are the main sources of income, I would say. Okay. And I was going to say, what was kind of the next question? Where did my mouse go? There it went. Um, 
So again, too, you kind of alluded to this earlier. You had said um, that you went for Patreon specifically, and I was going to say was mm-hmm. I was going to say more or less which which platform? Well, obviously you chose with Patreon, but um, what what was the decision with specifically Patreon versus Kickstarter, Indiegogo, and why was it mainly Patreon? Was it kind of from the perks that you'd be getting a more sustainable income? Or was it from the standpoint that you didn't have like a big project that you wanted to launch because it was already in existence? Definitely the 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 idea that my channel was not really a big project. This channel, I mean, I, I, it is a big project, but it's not like one big thing that I'm hyping up. It's not like I'm releasing a game or something. Or um, I wasn't releasing an album at the time either. And if I was, then I might have considered Kickstarter or something. But I feel like the funds from Kickstarter are more sp- that more geared to go towards that specific project while if you have a system like patreon those are more geared to do you can buy gear or use them basically whatever you want to do with them it's just your your um fans of yours that are dedicated enough to to say that you know i really appreciate the value that you add to my life and here's value that i need to give back to yours so Patreon, oh yeah, I, I had seen other musicians using Patreon as well, so I figured that they're, and like they were doing the similar models as I was doing, like, you know, covers every week, things like that, prom- promoting the link in the description at the end of the videos, and so I figured that would be a good fit for my channel as well. Right, so so again with Patreon, it's just kind of like basically jumping on a bandwagon. <laughs> yeah, well yeah as, you could say that. Okay, and, and again too, when it comes to Patreon is... So you've got you've got your brand of insane in the rain where it is mainly obviously jazz covers. This is what people are putting towards. Um, I think again to you earlier you did allude to this as well where it is. Um, so so you get X amount of dollars per se per month or per jazz cover for uh, the Patreon. And as, as mm. an entrepreneur as a creator, how. Where all where does all this um, income or where does all this revenue go to? Where different avenues it goes down to? So obviously there's like album production, there's merchandise, um, and just maybe even like blatant equipment costs. Where it's like, hey, I need a new mm-hmm, microphone. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should um, get that. So kind of where else would you be finding that? Well, um, most of the Patreon funding, I haven't, so when I received my Patreon, like the payout, I don't really separate, so far I haven't really separated that from the rest of my income. Um, so it's not like I only spend that on the gear. Like if I have to, you know, eat or pay for college, then, you know, I, that, that is money that I can use. Um, but for when I do use it for musical purchases, it's pretty much gear, um, sometimes album expenses, um. Just whatever I I absolutely need. Um, I try not to buy stuff that I don't really need in terms of music because I'm more that that is not like in the eighty twenty world of um, getting big on YouTube. Gear is not what makes you popular. It is um it is all about about um search engine optimization, keyword research, dirty stuff like that that people don't really like to do. That is what like will keep your channel growing um like if i i've wanted to buy a new microphone for a while but i'm putting it off because i say to myself is this gonna make me this gonna like bring more people to my channel no because people don't just say oh look he has an expensive microphone i should subscribe to him that's not what people do people subscribe to you because they say oh look 
there's a video that I've been searching for that I want to watch. I should subscribe to that guy, regardless of what equipment I have, regardless if I have, like, a DSLR camera or if I'm just filming with a webcam. Granted, you know, I like to keep my stuff high quality, and that certainly helps, but that is more of the 20 side of the 80-20 rule. The 80 comes in, like, research of what your audience wants to see. Fair point. Now, I was, I was going to say when I've worked on some of my YouTube channel stuff, I did kind of notice over some... I've, I've had a video or two where I was really relating on, like, for example, I made a bass guitar cover of a song that was actually just recently coming out, and because this was a new up-and-coming song that was a part of, like, an advertisement, people would be more prone to finding, oh, hey, this guy is, well, they'd be saying, okay, I really like this song, I haven't heard this before, and on this very small scale of musicians like ourselves, where we say, maybe I want to learn how to play that part. What does that sound like? And then through pretty much almost perfect timing, I was able to post a bass cover very soon after the official music video was released. And I had a lot of um, viewers coming down to that and to till this day still having that. Um, <laughs> but the problem though with covers is I really don't feel safe putting ad revenue on it. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's the, the world of copyright and covers is just so hairy, mm-hmm. especially when you bring Nintendo into the <sighs> the picture with yeah. uh, like I someday my channel will get DMCA'd and then Insane in the Rain will be gone forever. No, that's just a joke. Don't even no. think about that. It's never going to happen. <laughs> but it it is it is very possible. Um again, there's that's another sub- subject that I could talk about for a long time, just like legal legal aspects of video game covering. Um it is it's it's complicated to say the least yeah and i was gonna say being in college is there's a one class that i'm taking it's like basically business law and we covered copyright and some of that kind of fun stuff and it's yeah it can get pretty hairy pretty quickly um Mm -hmm. so when it comes to covers if i'm using any material that is not my own as far as like sound files i'm making sure that it's that i'm not putting ad revenue on it so it's completely new material is then yeah very much to monetize and the fact that you are literally creating stuff from scratch where it's i've mm-hmm. i've got a main melodic material a lot of people do new stuff with this material but since i'm creating a brand new thing out of it um i think obviously you're playing it a lot more safe that way mm-hmm. yeah it's not like i'm i'm not using any like physical record or I guess not physical, actual recordings from the original source, typically. It's all stuff that, I mean, I'm borrowing from the composition, which is a totally different copyright from the like the master copyright, I think that's what it's referred to. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think in some aspects that makes me, quote-unquote, safer than some other people. Um, but that's, that, that's something that's also covered in like the distributor service that I go through. Um, I use Louder.fm and DistroKid. Um, and for when they when I get mechanical licenses to distribute my music, one of the things that they say is that you cannot use um, mechanical licenses don't co- don't cover um, like samples from other songs. They do cover like usage of the composition in the manner that I do, like transforming it. But they don't cover like sampling like the heart container sound effect from Zelda or something like that. Right, right. Um, yeah, I was going to say that was one of the things I remember too using um, my distributor as well, where it's like, no, just don't even think about using other files that aren't your own. <laughs> You're like, no, please don't. Um, so, again, we did, although the main point of this podcast was to describe funding, we had already pretty much gone through it. 
Um, so let's just kind of go back to the entrepreneur side of things. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so again, you had your recent album release. You've continued doing um, covers. So let's go into a different avenue we haven't talked about and discussing more or less collaboration. Um, sure, sure. Since music and specifically jazz music, you can say, hey, I need a trombone for this part. I need you <laughs> or I need like a drummer. So I need you. Um, how's have um, well, how's your perspective of collaboration gone? What if what have you done as a creator when it comes to collaboration? Colla- collaboration is one of my favorite things to do in the musical department especially on youtube um there's a whole network of incredibly nice video game musicians that are um almost always willing to collaborate you no matter like what style of thing you want to do i mean as long as you like give them a reasonable time frame i'm there's very few circumstances in which they'll say no um and so i've used some of the uh, used or borrowed some of the talents to my friends to create some pretty cool um, arrangements of things. Like most of my recent videos are actually collaborations, and not not only is that good for the music, but it's also good for um, like a like a entrepreneurial or just like growing your channel perspective because you put your audience or you like cro- what's the word crossbreed or I don't yeah know. <laughs> yeah I understand cro- what you're cross pollinate cross pollinate your videos yeah for like one artist gives more the other artist more exposure and then the same um the other way around so it's pretty pretty mutual thing and that's that's one of the beautiful things with youtube where everybody is trying to get a um decent fan base a lot of people just out of the blue will say hey i really like this one artist and then this one artist will do a collaboration with somebody else and go oh that guy was really cool in whatever aspect whether it be personality or style of playing or whatever it just happens to apply to and then they start checking out this content and going, oh, hey, this is actually really cool. Um, yeah, exactly. The the one big story that I've um, come from was there was this one little machinima side channel called Inside Gaming that was big back in 2013 or 2014. And there's a group of um, internet personalities that had gotten together and there's a really... There is a weird synergy going on that was really cool and really hysterical that is I absolutely loved. And when they finally broke off of Machinima, they were bought out by this group called Rooster Teeth. And mm-hmm. from Rooster Teeth, I had said, well, okay, so there's this new group now called Funhouse or whatever. And I really like them, but they're occasionally doing collaboration with this group, Rooster Teeth, their overarching company. I wonder what they're like. And that was a can of worms I was not expecting to open and did not go as far (laughs) deep as it went. Rooster Teeth is a huge, huge network of channels and people, and it's just every bit of it is just a wonderful thing. I That was... That was one of the better decisions of my life. <laughs> but now I'm stuck yeah. listening to three podcasts a week, and it's like, I don't have time for this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rooster Teeth is pretty big. So, no, it's it's collaboration, in my opinion, is one of the largest and one of the best things you can do because it gets everybody mm-hmm. exposure and everybody has a good time doing it. So, Though if I, if I say one thing about collaboration is um, don't do it just to grow your channel um because like collaborating with people in a way is like making friends kind of that you can't just approach it from a object like a a strictly hey you have this i have this let's be friends you shouldn't like that's not how true friendships or collaborations should form um most of my collaborations come from come with people that i've 
um, not necessarily known for night for a long time, but people who I regard as friends or colleagues in the sort of field that I do. Um, I see too many comments that just are like on big YouTube videos. Hey, I make gaming content. Let's do a collab and grow the channel. That's, yeah. Yeah. That is the exact opposite of what you want to do. I mean, they, they don't know any better, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to say like bad things about them, but, um, collaborations are very much a friendship type of thing and you want to treat it that way to get the most both like in terms of promotion but also the most like satisfaction out of the result and i was going to say that's a very good point is collaboration more or less is 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 rather than a one-time thing hey thanks for doing this i'm not not going to see you again it's a friendship that has grown through networking and by continuously doing networking you could say like oh hey i'd like to do another collaboration with you or somebody else and you say well there's actually this trombone player that's pretty cool maybe i could get you in contact with them for whatever reason type thing so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah again too collaboration 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 you guys as that's what we're doing right now exactly look at that (laughs) fourth wall breaking gotta love it (laughs) it's so so meta (laughs) we're so meta no um and then just kind of as a closing thoughts as a just as a YouTube personality, as a person that is continuously making um, new music, I was um, obviously under the understanding that you're currently going to college at a rather big music mm-hmm. school. So I'm finding that you're always open to understanding and looking for um, new people to work with there. So it's, um, do you have any yeah, um, yeah. closing thoughts on just kind of the growth of your channel, just where you want to go in life as far as goals? You want. How about I give some advice to people or like advice to people who are either looking to be like looking to be entrepreneurs in this sort of area? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's great. <laughs> so, OK, d- you must not go into this with the intention of making money because you will not make money at the beginning. You will lose money at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I fortunately went through that stage as a high schooler where I didn't have to worry about it. But if you if you go into music making or YouTubing with the intention of getting famous and making money, you will. There's a very, very likely chance that you will not make money, or you will not be happy. Um, you have one life to live, and you might as well do what you're happy first, and let the money come to you afterwards. And once you found out what you can, what you can do reasonably well, and what makes you happy, then you can start thinking of, okay, what are some ways that I can take this to the next level, either improving my content, getting it in front of more people, figuring out ways that I can make a more, make more reliable sources of income from this. Um, but in the end, it comes down to you being happy with what you do, because I think that's, that's what like, it's not the money that keeps me going on the channel. And it's, it to some extent it is the fans, but it's also my personal um, satisfaction with like being able to watch the video that I just put out and say, Hey, that is something that I will listen to in my free time. And I feel confident in that I can promote that to other people and that they will enjoy it just as much as I do. Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to say very well said in that manner, too, because when I've gone back and watched, I've got a weird YouTube channel where it's like vlogs. (laughs) Don't we all, you know? (laughs) That's true. We all do. Where it's um, a combination of vlogs and um, gameplay videos. That's kind of one of my bigger things um, combined with also being a musician and composer as well i'm currently going through a 
um, 45 days where I'm posting content every day for from one of my albums that was, interestingly enough, is going to be a video game that my older brother and myself were going to create. He'd be doing the composing, well, excuse me, he'd be doing kind of like the programming, and I'd be doing the composition and a couple of the visual artworks for it as well. And just off of whatever chance happened, I think we were both in school and we both had homework and stuff to do where it just kind of died off. And I'm sitting there going, I have 45 tracks out of a total of 89 or something that I wanted to have <laughs> composed for this. I'm going, so what am I going to do with this? And this was sometime around last year, a little bit more than a year ago. And I said, eh, I might as well just release the iTunes what what yeah what yeah. bother would that bring to the world? And it's like it was, <laughs> and then just because I wanted to eventually take the music that I had and put it to a video form and then put it to YouTube because honestly YouTube YouTube is great because of how easy it is to share links to other platforms. Um, yes. Versus yes, like it is pretty much impossible to share iTunes links because they're like. Oh hey, you should probably oh. like download our program or something. And it's like there's no yeah. there's no easy way to do it. So it's like oh hey yeah, iTunes doesn't have the it doesn't have the same type of instant gratification field that YouTube gives you. Like you send a link and you just click on it and the video auto plays. With iTunes, you have to copy the link, paste it into your browser, like get the suggestion from Chrome to oh do you want to open this in iTunes? Then say yes. Open it in iTunes. Hit the play button. Listen to like a thirty second demo of the track or something. Then say hmm do I have to pay to hear more? On YouTube, you just get everything and plus um there's a community on youtube i mean you have reviews on itunes but you can't like reply to reviews and have like i don't know like good conversations in them that's the beauty of like youtube comments as well it's just such a great platform um i mean there are some bad things about it which i would like to change but if you look at look at it for all the good things it has it is a very good place on the yeah internet. absolutely and ironically we, that actually would be a kind of a good spot to uh drop off words youtube is a kind of a wonderful place to be and although this will be one of the platforms that this will be posted to um just more or less kind of keeping your mind open for other communities to um just kind of drop into to really understand and kind of grow yourself as a person and growing yourself being a part of a bigger thing that you had no idea could have been a thing type thing mm-hmm. so and again for the purpose of this podcast, we could say thank you very much, Carlos, for um, spending the some odd time for joining us in this podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, no problem. It was fun. I like talking. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> so, no, it's, it's again, going back to collaboration. It is a very wonderful thing to um, have other personalities giving their insight that a lot of times that maybe you might have that certain insight on and it's good to get a secondary opinion on and mm-hmm. when it comes to mm-hmm. entrepreneur stuff and creation of content which is again what this podcast is more or less dealing with it's always good to get somebody that's actually gone through it and created something something that's been at least moderately successful so they can say this is what's good and this is what's bad <laughs> And th- that is a good that is a good word to describe my channel. Moderately successful. <laughs> I want to be moderately successful for the rest of my entire life. <laughs> Could that just be your channel slogan now? It's just insane in the rain. Moderately successful. <laughs> <laughs> just not even jazz. Cop. That paints a good <laughs> that paints a good image to new subscribers. <laughs> this guy's amazing. Oh no, he's just moderately successful. Moderately it's okay. Successful. He's a run of the run of the mill kind of guy. <laughs> And sometimes it's it's better to be moderately successful instead of somebody that's 
being like, oh, hey, here's like a trillion dollars. And it's like, okay, now what am I supposed to do with this money? <laughs> yeah, you, you, can, you can be moderately successful for your entire life, or you can be incredibly famous for 15 seconds, you know. Would you rather would you rather be a drop of gasoline lit on fire? Or would you rather be like a thing of incense that burns for years? <laughs> that was such a strange <laughs> analogy. <laughs> <laughs> and on that and even back to more um odd analogies, and on that bombshell <laughs> <laughs> So again, Carlos Again, wonderful YouTuber. All of you guys should definitely check him out at, and where can we all find you? YouTube.com slash user slash Insane in the Rain Music, and most other forms of social media, I am Insane in the Rain Music as well. Again, continue <laughs> continue moderately success across uh, <laughs> across your future endeavors, and we absolutely... I'll, I'll, try my be- I'll try my best, but I won't try... Th- too hard i'll just try moderately hard (laughs) so again carlos thank you for joining us today we absolutely appreciate it so take care now see you later so again too this has been the production podcast and you've been listening to matt 51 and insane in the rain music you can find me on facebook slash Matt 51 official and at Twitter um, at Matt 51 um, official as well. I don't think I have a I don't think I have necessarily a um, Reddit account yet and a Patreon but we'll discuss that in future episodes. And again, thank you for listening to this quote-unquote moderately successful podcast. So, again, thank you guys for listening in, and we shall see you later. So, take care now.